Rated M for Mecca. Welcome to Buildcasters, the podcast that's all mecha, all the time. I'm the macabre chap, and on tonight's episode of Buildcasters, yes, the second episode of tonight, we are joined by the illustrious Prime Gundam of Morphin Mechacast and Free Black Geeks fame, who will be talking to you about a mecha show, yes, I said mecha show, not mecha anime, called Exosquad. Without further ado, Hard Classics, Episode 5, Exo Squad. Guten Tag, my dudes and fraulines and listeners to Buildcasters. Prime Gundam, aka your favorite diabolical fusion of Cybertronian Universal Century technology, as well as frequent contributor to the Three Back Geeks podcast, here today on Hub Classics to talk to you about a little-known mecha series called Exo Squad. Now, I know it's not an anime, but I chose this because I am, after all, a goddamn rebel. Groundbreaking and fairly popular in the day, but because it's a little harder to find now, it's flying on the radar, and not to bury the lead, I cannot recommend this series enough. Originally airing from 1993 to 1994, Exo Squad was an American animated television series created by Universal Cartoon Studios for their syndicated programming block. Combining everyone's favorite equal parts of shooty robots, slavery, genocide, psychological toll of warfare, biological weapons, terrorism, and all the other fine things you'll find in a children's show. As a kid, I grew up watching this and having to hunt it down as it moved from syndicated block to time frame to time frame. And looking back on it now, it really does explain a lot about me and my taste. Five of the creators, among of them Jeff Seagal and Will Menio, and I'm probably pronouncing Minio's last name wrong, but I'm just going to roll with it. Uh, they worked for a few other small indie projects, such as, you know, Super Friends, The Real Ghostbusters, G.I. Joe, Gemini Holograms, X-Men, Bucky O'Hare, and a few others you probably never heard of because they're pretty underground. So Exo Squad was supposedly created in response to the influx of anime in the West and drew inspiration from Mobile Suit Gundam, Matt Cross, and Space Battleship Yamato. But what is the series about? To quote and paraphrase the opening narration, it was a golden age for all mankind. Using the incredible exoskeletons called E-frames, humans had successfully terraformed Venus and Mars and were now poised to move on to the outer planets. Suddenly, that all ended. Humanity was pressed into a nightmare war on a scale previously unimagined. Attacked by their own creations, the Neo-Sapiens, a race of artificially created slaves who had seized control of Venus, Earth, and Mars. The series follows TJ March and his unit, Able Squad, an elite team piloting E-Frames, the mechas of the series, most of them kind of resembling customized versions of the powered armored from Aliens, set in the beginning of the 22nd century and covers the interstellar war between humanity, the Terrans, and the Neo-Sapiens. Narratively, it follows, generally, the Able Squad on their mission all over the solar system during the war. 
The Neo-Sapiens were used primarily as slaves during the colonization of Mars and Venus, and therefore have been engineered to be physically stronger and better adapted to hostile environments than humans. Their mistreatment by Terrans led to the first Neo-Sapien revolt 50 years before the series even begins, which was mercilessly crushed by the introduction of the Exoframes. Now, not content with the fate of his species and his race, the Neo-Sapien governor of Mars, Phaeton, sets a new insurrection in motion that he calls named Project Destiny as soon as the Exofleet, the Terran military forces, leads the chase after the pirate clans to stop a looming war with them from breaking out. The absence of the Exofleet is also a part of Phaeton's plan as it enables the Neo-Sapiens to capture the homeworlds without much resistance. Now, pirate clans, I hear you not hear you asking because I'm recording this alone in my room with an Ultra Magnus staring at me. Uh, well, decades before the creation of the Neo-Sapiens, the homeworlds had used convicts for slave labors. As the human empire expanded into outer planets, the convicts were used as miners in harsh environments of the outer worlds. They were promised freedom for exchange for their work, but, you know, many of them did not survive their sentences. With the creation of the Neo-Sapiens, however, the convicts were abandoned and left to fend for themselves. Over time, they became stronger than regular humans, more aggressive, and they continued to mine the moons around Saturn and soon began to build ships from materials that they mined. Then the convicts attacked the very people who had abandoned them and left them to die, thus forming and becoming the Pirates Clans. And we learn all of this in just the first few episodes alone. So the series has plenty of tension between all the factions to carry it. Will Menio, one of the executive producers of the series, once compared Mobile Suit Gundam and Exo Squad to the Pacific and European theaters of World War II, respectively. And the comparison, I feel, is more than apt. Uh, dealing heavily in themes of war, humanism, racism, it never talked down to the audience. It presented all sides and viewpoints of the issues and just let the characters navigate the drama and the narrative. Uh, every action had consequences. Uh, there was no good or evil or no heroes in war, just people and the decisions they make to try and survive it. Uh, despite starting the war, the uh, lead antagonist, Phaeton, he had a lot of solid points about the treatment of his species and was a very charismatic leader. Well, you know, up until the point of no spoilers, the final few episodes where he kind of turned into a full-blown, mustache-twirling, genocidal maniac, but he did start on a good foundation. Uh, I'll never forget one moment when a character, again, no spoilers, who was in a leadership role in Exofleet, was brought low by his hubris and saw the cost that his mistakes had led to his people under his command. And he refused rescue off a transport ship and told the person who came to rescue him to leave or he'd shoot them. Then this character proceeded to lead a sacrificial charge and told the rescuer to relay the message back to the command that he, quote, knew how to die. That scene haunts me to this very day. I can talk for hours about this show, but I'll cut it here and just say it had fantastic characters, solid music, great action sequences that are on par or even surpass animes and shows that aired at the same time of it. Well, also, if I'm being honest, you know, it also surpasses some of the shows airing today. The only negative I can say about this show is that it was canceled on a cliffhanger, and the complete series is not on DVD or Blu-ray yet. The first 13 episodes making up season one is about $10 on Amazon, both digitally and on DVD. So by all means, please buy it and check it out. If uh, enough people do, fingers crossed, maybe that might convince the powers that be to continue releasing the series. But it is more than enough worth your time. Uh, thank you for listening, you guys. Thank you for having me, Bill Casters. And as always, uh, Avita Zen. It's a certified hug classic. Thank you. 
Thank you, Prime, for your awesome contribution to Hard Classics. That was an incredibly enlightening insight into Exo Squad, and I am definitely going to check it out at some point. Since this is the second episode of tonight, I will spare you most of the socials, but you can follow Prime Gundam on Twitter at Prime Gundam. That's all one word. And you can follow his crew, Three Black Geeks, on Twitter at Three Black Geeks. That's three, the number three, Black Geeks. And that was episode five of HUD Classics. Thank you for listening. Here among the stars, everything is regulated by machines. This episode of Bill Casters was produced by the Macabre Chap and Sentai 5 with music provided by Versi Jones. Battle ended. Battle ended.